This is the Extravagant Promises Podcast, and I'm your host, Gregory. This is episode number four, Keep No Secrets. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. This is a podcast about reckoning, recovery, and redemption. We share experience, strength, and hope. Before we begin tonight's episode, I would like to once again reiterate several principles behind this podcast. Number one, this podcast is and shall forever remain free. I will never accept advertising, nor will I solicit or accept listener donations. This podcast is meant as an act of service by me to the world and to the recovery community. And what this podcast is meant to be is a single candle burning among the bright lights of recovery, but something that brings hope, hopefully can help you if you're alone. As I've said before, maybe you're in a airport or driving a truck somewhere, or maybe you're listening to your car stereo while you wait for your kids at school. And this can just be a meditative, contemplative act of thoughtfulness and intentions regarding your recovery and and, and a moment of solace and comfort. This could also be that port in the storm where you just need to get away and listen And hopefully my voice is comforting and my message is meaningful. This is not meant to be an AA meeting, and it is not an AA meeting. Uh, We here at the podcast encourage everyone to have a regular home group, to have a sponsor, to sponsor other members in recovery, and to regularly attend AA meetings. Finally, I do respectfully request and insist that my anonymity be preserved and protected. It is the spiritual foundation of all our principles, and it is important to me because I want the message to be heard without infusing my own personality too much, even though these stories are my own. If you do want to speak with me or you would like to ask questions or pose questions to for the podcast, or if you would like to get to know me better, you may reach me at extravagantpromisespodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at at extravagantpromisespodcast. Now for the episode. This is episode four, Keep No Secrets. And tonight's episode is about the role and the insidious disease that is dishonesty and lying and and the weight that secrets carry upon your soul and 
press uh, upon your heart and how that leads to substance abuse and addiction and and how honesty is the pathway to recovery but also it's the promised land of recovery that with honesty and simplicity comes courage and an absence of fear so tonight's episode is keep no secrets this is an excerpt from the telltale heart by edgar allan poe <clears throat> read with some effect the officers were satisfied my manner had convinced them i was singularly at ease they sat and while i answered cheerily they chatted of familiar things but ere long i felt myself getting pale and wished them gone my head ached and i fancied a ringing in my ears but still they sat and chatted the ringing became more distinct it continued and became more distinct i talked more freely to get rid of the feeling but it continued and gained definiteness until, at length, I found that the noise was not within my ears. No doubt, I now grew very pale, but I talked more fluently and with a heightened voice. Yet the sound increased. And what could I do? It was a low, dull, quick sound, much such a sound as a watch makes when enveloped in cotton. I gasped for breath, and yet the officers heard it not. I talked more quickly, more vehemently, but the noise steadily increased. I arose and argued about trifles in a high key and with violent gesticulations, but the noise steadily increased. Why would they not be gone? I paced the floor to and fro with heavy strides, as if excited to fury by the observations of the men. But the noise steadily increased. Oh God, what could I do? I foamed, I raved, I swore. I swung the chair upon which I had been sitting and grated upon the boards. But the noise arose over all and continually increased. It grew louder, louder, louder. And still the men chatted pleasantly and smiled. Was it possible they had heard, they heard not? Almighty God, no, no. They heard, they suspected, they knew. They were making a mockery of my horror. This I thought, and this I think. But anything was better than this agony. Anything was more tolerable than this derision. I could bear those hypocritical smiles no longer. I felt that I must scream or die. And now, again, hark, louder, 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 louder. Villains, I shrieked, dissemble no more. I admit the deed. Tear up the planks. Here, here, it is the beating of his hideous heart. So, I apologize for the dramatic effect, but it's difficult for me to read Edgar Allan Poe without a little acting and license. But it's true. When we keep secrets, it presses upon us, it hurts us. When I think back to the days and the weeks and the months before I entered the rooms and started my path of recovery and 
redemption. I was keeping secrets. I was dreadfully unhappy. I was dreadfully resentful. And I felt like I could tell no one. I'm sure that there were people who knew. But I just, I couldn't bring myself to be honest about my unhappiness. I had much to be very, very happy and grateful for. But because of my personal soul sickness and my disease, I just, I couldn't taste. I couldn't see color. I couldn't hear the high notes of an operatic aria or a good bass line or anything. I couldn't, I couldn't smell and I couldn't feel those great loving pangs of your heart beating with happiness. I was so angry at everyone and everything and who wasn't giving me mine and who wasn't doing what they were supposed to be doing. And I just found myself consumed by longing for freedom and, and, and longing for to be unshackled from the secret of my unhappiness. And as you'll learn in future episodes of this podcast, I ultimately, like Edgar Allan Poe's character in The Telltale Heart, I had a dramatic and despicable and shameful meltdown in public that hurt a lot of people, one particular person, most grievously. And essentially like that character, just losing his mind in public and just finally, yeah, I, it, it's, it's, I, I said, it's kind of like the song, the boxer by Simon and Garfunkel, where they say where till he, he, he bears, he, his, his face carries the reminder of every glove that laid him down or cut him till he cried out in his anger and his pain. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. You know, the song. It's a great one. But but I just it was like I couldn't take it anymore and I just let loose and oh I wish I could take that back. I really do. I really do. Something I'll carry with me for a long time. But one thing I won't carry are those secrets. And one thing I won't do is lie. Um I do believe that we're only as sick as our secrets. And I believe that at the heart of most unhappiness and crime and and many moral failings is are, are lies and and secrets and not that i'm I'm not equating secrets with confidences that professionals must keep if somebody gives a secret to you that you have taken taken on a state secret or a patient physician privilege or things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the secrets in which you are portraying yourself as one thing and you are something else or you feel something else and therefore you are lying to yourself. 
as I've related before, I was living a life of, in, in many ways, I had the perfect life and I had all of God and earth's bounty. But as I said, I was completely numb to it because I was so profoundly resentful and so profoundly unhappy that I was consumed by a life of quiet desperation, as Thoreau says. And a number of events occurred that precipitated my final spiral into rock bottom, which then allowed for my rebirth. I've said this in the rooms and I'll say it again. I am, I am and I always will be grateful for alcohol. Without alcohol, you would not have alcoholism. And without alcoholism, you would not have Alcoholics Anonymous. And without Alcoholics Anonymous, I would not have salvation. I would not have a conscious contact with God of my understanding. I would not have courage, and I would not have radical honesty. Today, my life is a life that's second to none. And almost nothing has changed in terms of a lot of the things in my life. But now I can enjoy them, and I love them, and I'm able to be a better person. I still have many amends to make, and I still have repercussions and consequences that I must face. But uh, I can face it with an open heart, and I can face it with, an, with a courageous, steadfast, sober being and wholeheartedness. So, um, and I'm, I'm hesitant to get into too many of the details because uh, I'm just not ready to expose some of the facts of my life yet. But I was living a lie and I was unhappy and, and, and the lie was that I was happy. The lie was that I was present. The lie was that I was there, but I was very disturbed and diseased, as a friend in the room says. And in the three years before I got came into the rooms and got sober, um, my my best friend in the world, one of the three musketeers, so to speak, um, suddenly died. And he, he knew my secret and he knew my, my lies and he knew my desperation. And, you know, we were trying to work through it, but he wasn't there. And I, in about a year and a half's time, um, between my friend dying and my meltdown, alcoholic, blackout, drunk meltdown, um, I underwent a catharsis of desperation and, and just a, an absolute self-loathing, but, but, but a, 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 a debriding of the wound, a, a shedding of the skin, and I'll explain what happened. 
I read and saw three three works. One was the book Lying by Sam Harris. Sam Harris, as you may know, is the uh, author of a number of books. He's a neuroscientist and an ethicist, and he is the host of a podcast called um, – I think it's called Awakening. Let me see here. I'll look it up. It is Wake Up. Let's see. Waking Up. Waking Up by Sam Harris. Sorry. That wasn't super polished. Um, but I encourage everyone to listen to his podcast um, and because he has a lot to say and he's extremely intelligent. And he says it in a very – mindful and thoughtful and cautious way that I think bespeaks a certain amount of kindness and truth. There are things that I very much disagree with Mr. Harris about, and I think that his vehemence about them undercuts the bigger message that he has to offer. But it's not my place to judge him. It's my place to thank him. I completely disagree with him when it comes to his views on faith and his views on the existence of a higher power um, and what that means. But I completely agree with him when it comes to the issues of ethics and lying and truth. And I don't find those positions to be contradictory or incompatible. What I – and I will address my higher power at a future date and, and some of the things that occurred to me that have transformed me but also led me to be 100 percent a believer in God and, and my higher power. So I read the book Lying by Sam Harris, and I'm going to share some of the excerpts from that book. I also read a book called The Regrets. I think it's The Five Regrets of the Dying. Maybe the, maybe it's ten. I don't really remember. I will look it up, and I will address it in a future podcast. But it was the first regret and of almost everyone that this English hospice nurse had ushered – or not ushered, but had sat by their bedside while they died. She had seen many people pass and – they almost all had the same series and sets of regrets, and those were this, that, that most people said they weren't true to themselves, and that hit me hard. I knew that I was not being true to myself because – I was portraying myself as a happy person or I was certainly irascible. I was restless, irritable, and discontent. But but I felt that I was portraying – by not living my best life, by not being authentic, by not being genuine, by not being truthful about my unhappiness, I was essentially perpetrating a lie. Um, and the third thing that I saw was a HBO Sports special by Bryant – Gumbel called Real Sports. And on the episode that I saw was a rugby player named Gareth Thomas who had been the most 
aggressive and violent and and world renowned among the world renowned rugby players, but was um, and was married, but was keeping a secret. His secret was his homosexuality, and it almost drove him to murder himself and commit suicide. And oh, you know, I think about the pain that was in that man's heart and his soul when he walked to the edge of the cliffs of Dover and was ready to throw himself over all because he had a secret that he felt was an abomination and whatnot. And that poor man, but he had the, he saw the light and he thought, well, maybe I'll come out to my teammates and rather than kill myself. And he did. And it changed his life and it, it had repercussions. There were people like his wife who did not take it kindly. I understand. And, you know, um, he had lied to those people and they, he had affected their lives and, but he, he stayed alive and he was, and he shed his secret and I'm sure he's so much happier now and he's so much better of a human being now to be able to be himself and be truthful to his and, and to honor his truth and speak his truth. So those three things were were very instrumental in my awakening, so to speak, and my understanding that I was I was desperately unhappy. I was getting older, and if I didn't do something, I was going to not only perpetuate lies into the future, but probably hurt myself or um, just continue to damage myself. And I was just I was I, I was just a mess to be around. So in the book, Lying, Sam Harris says, Once one commits to telling the truth, one begins to notice how unusual it is to meet someone who shares this commitment. Honest people are a refuge. You know they mean what they say. You know they will not say one thing to your face and another behind your back. You know they will tell you when they think you have failed. And for this reason, their praise cannot be mistaken for more f- mere flattery. Honesty is a gift we give to others. It is also a source of power and an engine of simplicity. Think about that. What do you see on the walls at the rooms? Keep it simple. Think, think, think. Source of power and an engine of simplicity. Knowing that we will attempt to tell the truth, whatever the circumstances, leaves us with little to prepare for. Knowing that we told the truth in the past leaves us with nothing to keep track of. We can simply be ourselves in every moment. Think about that. How much disease is rooted in the fact that you can't be yourself. You're uneasy being yourself. And so you create a lie, a fiction, another person, drunk me, high me, um, funny me, whatever it is that's not you. Aggressive fighter you or uh grandiose politician you me who you know whatever we can simply be ourselves in every moment moment in committing to being honest with everyone we commit to avoiding a wide range of long-term problems but at the cost of occasional short-term discomfort however the discomfort should not be exaggerated you can be honest and kind because your purpose in telling the truth is not to offend people You simply want them to have the information you have and would want to have if you were in their shoes. 
But it may take practice to feel comfortable with this way of being in the world, to cancel plans, decline invitations, negotiate contracts, critique others' work, all while being honest about what one is thinking and feeling. To do this is also to hold a mirror up to one's life, because a commitment to telling the truth requires that one pay attention to what the truth is in every moment. What sort of person are you? How judgmental, self-interested, or petty have you become? You might discover that some of your friendships are not really that. Perhaps you habitually lie to avoid making plans or fail to express your true opinions for fear of conflict. Whom exactly are you helping by living this way? You might find that certain relationships cannot be honestly maintained. Of course, we all have associations that must persist in some form, whether we enjoy them or not, with family, in-laws, colleagues, employers, and so forth. I'm not denying that tact can play a role in minimizing conflict. Holding one's tongue or steering a conversation toward topics of relative safety is not the same as lying, nor does it require that one deny the truth in the future. Honesty can force any dysfunction in your life to surface. Are you in an abusive relationship? A refusal to lie to others, how did you get that bruise, would oblige you to come to grips with this situation very quickly. Do you have a problem with Do you have a problem with drugs or alcohol? Lying is the lifeblood of addiction. If we have no recourse to lies, our lives can unravel only so far without others noticing. Well, that's powerful. I mean, that phrase, we're only as sick as our secrets, is so unbelievably true at every level of addiction and alcoholism. Some people lie about drinking. They lie, I'm not, I'm sober. What are you talking about? Or I haven't had a drink in whatever, and they're getting drunk. Um, some people, it's the lies that drive them to drink. Or some people, it's the lies that make their lives unmanageable. And then, and, and, or in, 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 in still other cases, it's, it's alcohol that creates the lies, that creates the unmanageability that you lie about. But I would submit that lying is at the heart of disease, just like Mr. Harris says here. And I quote the book, and I make sure that I'm giving attribution to it. This, um, this is a profound work. I encourage everyone to read it, buy it, download it. Um, but, but, but make sure that, you know, if you get a chance to let Mr. Harris in his podcast, Sam Harris waking up, you know, let, let, let him know how good his work is. I mean, I, I certainly try to give credit wherever I can, that this is a book that changed my life. I'm so grateful to have the chance to read it. What could be wrong with truly white lies? First, they're still lies, and in telling them, we incur all the problems of being less than straightforward in our dealings with other people. Sincerity, authenticity, integrity, mutual understanding, these and other sources of moral wealth are destroyed the moment we deliberately misrepresent our beliefs, whether or not our lies are ever discovered. Wow. Just think about about how far down we fall when um, when we lie and and we we tell and we tell people 
things that are not true or we're holding back. We're omitting the truth. It's just, and it's unbelievable how fear will drive that. The book goes on to say, to lie is to erect a boundary between the truth we are living and the perception others have of us. The temptation to do this is often born of an understanding that others will disapprove of our behavior. Often they would have good reason to do so. Now you think about it, it's like, you know, when you lie about something, when you when you do something that is uh, at risk of disapproval or the approbation of your colleagues, let's say, I mean, it's such a betrayal because you have one, you're you're not being truthful, and you're therefore harming the fabric of of society and of the universe. But two is you're depriving them of their rights. You know, when, 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 when you say you did something when you didn't, um, or when you say I didn't do something and you did, um, it's just, it's so, it's that, that you're creating this false perception about you, about your integrity, but about, about the world that others are relying on and, and listening to. And it is an absolute pit of despair, like the Princess Bride, the pit of despair where they take Wesley. Um, and I can just tell you, y'all lived in that pit. I, put, I pitched a pup tent in that pit of despair that was just this fundamental untruth about my life. It was a fundamental untruth. I've never lied in terms of my professional existence, my commercial existence, my deals, my things that I've done as a professional to my clients or my other business partners. Or I, I don't do that. But I'm sure there are ways in which my my personal life, you know, being a lie, it it's. It hurt it hurt everybody. It hurt me most of all, but it hurt other people for sure. And I'll finish with the last little bit here in the book at the conclusion where he says, As it was in Anna Karenina, I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly, but Madame Bovary and Othello, so it is in life. Most forms of private vice and public evil are kindled and sustained by lies. Acts of adultery and other personal betrayals, financial fraud, government corruption, even murder and genocide generally require an additional moral defect, a willingness to lie. Lying is, almost by definition, a refusal to cooperate with others. It condenses a lack of trust and trustworthiness into a single act. It is both a failure of understanding and an unwillingness to be understood. To lie is to recoil from relationship. This is where I, I just I love this, you know, because it's so it's so harsh, but it's so radically honest, and it just cuts to the quick. By lying, we deny others our view of the world, and our dishonesty not only influences the choices they make; it often determines determines the choices they can make. In, many, in ways we cannot always predict. Every lie is an assault on the autonomy of those we lie to. 
By lying to one person, we potentially spread falsehoods to many others, even to whole societies. We also force upon ourselves subsequent choices to maintain the deception or not that can complicate our lives. In this way, every lie haunts our future. We can't tell when or how it might collide with reality, requiring further maintenance. The truth never needs to be tended like this. It can simply be reiterated. My goodness, that is, that is speaking some truth to me, I'll tell you that. The lies of the powerful lead us to distrust governments and corporations. The lies of the weak make us callous toward the suffering of others. The lies of conspiracy theorists raise doubts about the honesty of whistleblowers, even when they are telling the truth. Lies are the social equivalent of toxic waste. Everyone is potentially harmed by their spread. How would your relationships change if you resolve to never lie again? What truths about yourself might suddenly come into view? What kind of person would you become? And how might you change the people around you? It's worth finding out. Thank you, Sam Harris, for this book. It is, it is one of the profound works, that, and, and it speaks a very basic truth about truth and honesty. But nevertheless, it was something that I read that, again, I wish I'd seen the light and said, okay, I'm going to live this different life now and do it. In a, but what it did was it awakened in me the, the reality that I was, I was a liar. I was a liar. I was lying about my unhappiness. I was lying about my state of affairs. And every night that I went to sleep, I was giving the impression that I was not unhappy. And it caused me and a number of other people a great deal of pain. And ultimately, I could sustain those lies no longer, and it all blew apart. And I wonder how many of you listening to this might be thinking the same thing. You know, if you just kind of cast aside the notion of other people's discomfort. If you just said, I have the courage to come out. You know, if I have the courage to just to, to be with the people who will, who will hear me and just say, look, this is what has to happen. I wonder how, I wonder how you, would, you would fare. This is the tragedy of Macbeth, Act 5, Scene 1. Anteroom in the castle, Scene 1. Enter a doctor of, of physic and a waiting gentlewoman. Doctor, I have two nights watched with you, but can perceive no truth in your report. When was it she last walked? And here they're talking about Lady Macbeth sleepwalking. Gentlewoman, since his majesty went into the field, I have seen her rise from her bed, throw her nightgown upon her, unlock her closet, take forth paper, fold it, write, write a punt, read it, afterwards seal it, and again return to bed, yet all this while in a most fast sleep. Doctor, a great perturbation in nature to receive at once the benefit of sleep and do the effects of watching. In this slumbery agitation, besides her walking and other actual performance, what at any time have you heard her say? That, sir, which I will not report after her. You may to me, and tis most meet you should. Neither to you nor anyone, having no witness to confirm my speech. 
and this inner Lady Macbeth with a taper, I guess, which is a candle. Lo you, here she comes. This is very, her very guise, and upon my life, fast asleep. Observe her, stand close. How came she by that light? Why, it stood by her. She has light by her continually. Tis her command. Okay, she's afraid of the dark. You, you see, hear that? You see, her eyes are open. Aye, but their sense is shut. What is it she does now? Look how she rubs her hands. It is an accustomed action with her to seem thus washing her hands. Where have we seen that before, ladies and gentlemen? I have known her continue in, in this a quarter of an hour, Lady Macbeth says. Yet here's a spot, the doctor. Hark, she speaks. I will set down what comes from her to satisfy my remembrance the more strongly, Lady Macbeth. Out, damned spot. Out, I say. One, two, why? Then tis time to do it. Hell is murky. Fie, my lord, fie, a soldier and a feared. A feared. What need we fear who knows it when none can call our power to account? Yet who would have thought the old man to have had so much blood in him? Doctor, do you mark that? Lady Macbeth, the thane of Fife had a wife. Where is she now? What will these hands ne'er be clean? No more, O oh that, my lord, no more of that. You mar all with this starting. And you and it goes on and 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 the and Lady Macbeth says, wash your hands. In her in Lady Macbeth being asleep and sleepwalking says, Wash your hands, put on your nightgown, look not so pale. I tell you yet again, Banquo's buried. He cannot come out on his grave. And then she says, to bed, to bed, there's a knocking at the gate. Come, 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 to give me your hand. What's done cannot be undone. To bed, to bed, to bed. And that gives you, I, I, I didn't read the entire passage, but that gives you that sense of that, that, that same hanging on her heart and that unease, that dis-ease restless, irritable, discontented. Here she is walking in with a candle and she says, out damn spot. You know, it's just like that heart beating under Edgar Allan Poe's bed in the telltale heart, that secret. You've done something bad and it is going to get its, it, <laughs> the secret is like a, it's like an addiction itself. It's an animal that's going to get fed. And sure, if you're a sociopath and you're living in a sociopathic environment or you're just so consumed by lies that, you know, you just live on, maybe people make it like that. But I would submit that our, 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 our rehabs, our treatment facilities, our prisons, our rooms, our graves are filled with people who kept secrets and and lied and couldn't get in front of it and get around it and and put the light was it jefferson who said disinfectant is the the best disinfectant is sunlight meaning transparency um i'm pretty sure he said that but i don't want to be one of those guys who you know puts an internet meme out there that says like, you know, every man for himself, mother Teresa, but, um, but the best 
disinfectant is sunlight. You know, that mold, it grows in the dark. It grows where it's wet and musty and nasty when it's toxic and it's harmful and it's a fungus. I mean, has there ever been a fungus except for maybe a mushroom that there's certain types of mushrooms that are, that are any good? Maybe, I don't know. I guess we grow penicillin from fungus, but still the point being that you know, that, that transparency, that, that sunlight is the light of truth, not greed, not money, truth. And that truth makes things so simple and simplicity, simplicity, you know, the plus ones in your life sober today. That's all you got to just be truthful about that. And then all of a sudden you say, well, God, I don't need to lie about anything. I just need to do this. And, and all of a sudden you have success. It's crazy. It's so easy, and yet we make it so hard. It's almost like the, the, the gift of the Magi and some of these stories where you just read and, and somebody's like, they're just so afraid of shame. Because think about how many lies start in a fear of being shamed or being ashamed. Or you are ashamed, and it just starts and you get so afraid of being outed, so afraid of being doxxed so afraid of being called out whatever it is of being ridiculed humiliated and so you just keep that secret you did something you're not proud of it or you hurt someone you don't want them to know you don't want someone else to know you went ahead and you you know you decided to go ahead and drink but you're not going to tell people so you just keep it a secret but you know you're like lady macbeth you're going to go to sleep you're going to wake up in the middle of the night and you're going to know think about that beat when he describes it as a watch inside of cotton tick 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 tock beating 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 that spot of blood that's not going to go away you can scrub all you want but that scrub of dishonesty that spot of dishonesty that tick tock of dishonesty it isn't going away you can put it under the floorboards. You can put it, you can bury it somewhere. It's not going away and it's going to tick and it's going to talk until it kills you. It makes you and all around you a miserable creature. So as I wrap up this evening's podcast, I'd I'd like to to tell you that once I dedicated myself to defining success strictly by whether I was sober at the when I went to sleep, when I woke up sober and I went to sleep sober and I didn't drink, I got a plus one. And all I wanted to do was string together a lot of plus ones, and I was lucky to get quite a few under my belt. Um, but I also made a promise, and the promise was I was never going to lie again. And that I would absolutely tell the truth. And that when I found myself lying, or I found myself being less than transparent or honest, I would go back and I would clean that up. You know, if, if, I, if, if somebody said, hey, you know, does this dress look good on me? I mean, that's a, let's, let's not even go there. That's just a, a real tough situation, you know, and I think I, I, I don't, you know, Sam Harris has some answers for you in the book on that one, but more that, you know, if someone said, 
ask you a real serious question and in order to avoid discomfort, I didn't tell the truth about it or I, I didn't actively lie, but maybe I just I was, well, I'm not sure. I haven't made up my mind, that kind of thing. You know, I, I went back and said, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't entirely honest. Um, I'm very discomforted by this question. And I told you that I hadn't made up my mind, but the truth is I don't want to go. Let's say that, you know, that, that, that was an example. You, do you want to go on this trip? You know, I, I haven't made up my mind yet. I think I'm going to go. And the truth of it is, is that, is that I had made up my mind. I didn't want to go. And I said, you know, I'm not being honest. I don't want to go. And my goodness, it feels so much better. So, so, so what I would challenge, um, the listener and, and I'm not advice given, or maybe I am advice given or maybe just requesting. Try this, you know, today, just for one day. Just commit. I'm absolutely not going to lie about anything. That's that's challenge number one. Let's just make it one day, and then maybe see see start thinking about stringing some days together. But remember, these are principles and an operating system. It is not the same thing as drinking. You know, you can go back and undo a lie. If you can't, hey, I wasn't entirely truthful. You'd go back and undo it, but but don't drink. Absolute. That's an absolute. Do not drink. Um, the second thing is is maybe make a list, a little chart. When I did my fourth step, boy, I was the king of chart making. I'll tell you that I was. I felt like I I was going to win the gold medal in the AA Olympics for fourth step in it. And I've got this orange book sitting in front of me with the, some of the most beautiful looking charts and all. Of course, I, I felt I was doing it to please my sponsor, but also it's just kind of the way I roll. And it was I was so bummed because he was so unimpressed. Um, but anyway. Try that. Try try to take make a chart where you write down your five, three, one, whatever. You know the the top three secrets or deceptions that you're maintaining or that you propagate on a regular basis. And right next to it, you know who who needs to know the truth. You know, who needs to know the truth? And maybe you're next to that, right? What would happen to you in terms of how they would react or how would they react if they found out the truth? And then sort of like the bad things. This is called fear. Uh, it's like fear proofing or something like that. Tim Ferriss in his in his. Uh, blogs and and podcast talks about it, but you kind of you can look at it. It's like, what's the worst thing that can happen? And really, be like, what's the worst thing that happens if I tell the truth? You know, no one ever does this. What's what's really going to happen to me if I tell the truth? You know, and be explicit. And then in the fourth column, write down how good will I feel if the truth is out. You know, and I can live my life free of shame, free of lying. Maybe, maybe you got to face some shame or some guilt or some remorse for something you did, you know, and, and just come and clean about it. It's going to just, you know, but, you know, talk to your sponsor about that because that sounds a lot like amends. But, but, you know, I'm talking about the secrets you're keeping. Who are you keeping a secret from? And if they knew the truth, they might not be real happy about it. 
But, you know, they need to know. They need to know. If it's your, if, if your spouse, you know, you're, if, you're, if you're gay and, and, and you're keeping that from, from your spouse, don't you think they need to know? And don't you want to tell them? If you're unhappy in your marriage, you've never been happy. You're 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 coming home with a smile on and three martinis deep to try to try to put a smile on, you know, and you're flirting or you're doing who knows what you're doing, but you're not happy. You know, don't you think your spouse needs to know? Maybe you've may, you know, just think about the secrets. Maybe you're a drug addict, you know, and you're coming into work. I mean, we you know, and, and you're using it work. And and people know you're you know you're disappearing at lunchtime and coming in with your pupils dilated or pinpoints or whatever happens on whatever drug and you know maybe you just want to be like look I'm in trouble I need I need some help chances are yeah you might face some consequences but the chances are most likely is that what you're going to get is a hug and you're going to get like I always knew or I'm glad you had the courage to come out and come clean come come through you know. I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm trying not to give advice. I'm just trying to say that, or you can hold it all in and you can do what I did, which is get really, really, really drunk and then lose control of your ability to hold it in and just blurt everything out, ruin some people's lives in terms of at least ruin their moment, you know, tell the truth in a totally inappropriate and untimely way. There's more on that later and I don't want to get too detailed on it tonight, but my God, I would never wish that on anybody to do it that way and to be just embarrass yourself and humiliate the people around you. Um, not, it's almost something out of a movie, just how bad it is. So on a lighter note, let's finish. Um, I had the good fortune to see the play or the musical, The Adams Family by Andrew Lippa, uh, which is really cool. And I saw it performed by a special someone who happens to be related to me um, in a musical. And I really love the song that they did called Secrets. And if you've seen the musical and they, you know, it said, you know, where Morticia says, keep no secrets. And it's really cool because it's a great little catchy tune. And Mr. Lippa, if you're listening, if you ever hear about this, thank you. It's a cool song. It was beautiful musical. Um, and so Alice says, well, what's good for the gander is a nice, quiet goose. If I told Mal my secrets, all hell would break loose. Morticia says, Alice, I'm shocked. What kind of marriage is it where you keep secrets? And Alice says, a long one. And then they, then they go into um, this song. Secrets are the enemies of passion. Speaking true will get you through the day. Truth is not a thing one should ration. But I think you think of it that way. Never keep a sin inside the closet. Always give the facts a fighting chance. Every time you do, it's a deposit in the long-term life of your romance. Keep no secrets if you want him to remain your lover. Share all secrets. There's a world you might discover. Truth is beauty. He should always know exactly who you are. Bear your secrets, and your marriage will be healthier by far. And it goes on from there, 
and um, it's hard for me. It was very hard for me to to locate all the lyrics. They're they're but they're they're good. It's good, and I recommend that to keep no secrets. You know, it's it's a it's a catchy tune, and it and it's really good. Um, when I first heard it, uh, because I, I had the good fortune to sit through several performances, as one does when uh, relatives are performing. Um, I thought the first time I thought it said "Speak No Secrets," which you know is a little bit kind of that. That's not what. That's exactly kind of contrapositive, or, or you know, counter counter to exactly what the uh, uh, the the message of it is. It's "Keep No Secrets," but it sounded kind of cool. But ladies and gentlemen, keep no secrets. You know what I mean. I mean, if you've got people's confidences as a professional or somebody's shared a secret with you, you know, make sure you know why and what, what's going on. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, keep no secrets. You're only as sick as your secrets. And when you make that chart I was talking about, and you just go, what if I had the courage? You know, what if what, I'm just going to muster it up and just sit down and be like, listen, here's the truth. Or stop lying and just stop telling people you went to Yale or you went to Stanford Business School when you didn't, you know. Just tell the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Let's have a moment of silence. Set our intentions for the future, maybe for the next day of honesty. But let's have a moment of silence for the sick and suffering inside and outside the rooms. God, please come into my head before I get there. Please help me understand your will. Please let me lead and adhere and cling to a life of radical honesty. Let me accept the truths of others. Let me honor the truth of myself. God, help me to walk with integrity as you see and as you deem fit. Help me live a life of integrity. Help me be a promise keeper, a man or a woman who makes promises and keeps them by being always truthful, always honest. Amen. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them.
Good night and Godspeed.